You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. Okay, so today we are starting a new set of sermons uh, called Enjoy. And this set of sermons is going to last us through the month of January. So each Sunday in January, uh, we are going to be thinking together about ways we can enjoy Jesus or things that have a tendency to block our enjoyment of Jesus. So uh, that's where we're headed. That's what we're thinking about this month. And here's why we're thinking about Jesus' enjoyment. Because this is what we do. Uh, around Stonegate. We enjoy Jesus and we make disciples. This is, this is what the Lord has set before us to be about. This is who we are as a church family. We are Jesus enjoyers. I love how the Westminster Catechism begins. Here's its first question. What is the chief end of man? That's question number one. And listen to its answer. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, I like that answer even better when you change one word, when you change the and to a by, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You exist to glorify God. That's the reason God made you. He created you to glorify him, to show him off, to show just how amazing he is. That's why you exist. And you glorify God. You show how amazing he is by enjoying God by finding delight in God, pleasure in God. You were made for the enjoyment of Jesus. Uh, God has specifically designed your heart to be dazzled by God. This is the way that you were made. This is the who that you are. And and so today we're taking that first step toward the enjoyment of Jesus. And here's uh, the big idea. I wanna tell you this up front so you don't have to wonder about it. Here's the big idea of the day. To enjoy Jesus, you must be present with Jesus. To enjoy Jesus requires something. And here's the thing it requires, for you to be present with Jesus. So that's the link that I wanna show today. To enjoy Jesus, you must be present with Jesus. And that takes us to our text. Uh, Look at verse 38 in Luke 10. Martha welcomes Jesus and the disciples into their home. And then in verse 39, we read this. And she had a sister called Mary. And then we learned something about Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Here is what we're observing about Mary in this text. Mary is present with Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be present with Jesus or to someone? Uh, just in simple terms, it means to give your full attention to that person. So to be present with Jesus means you are giving, you are choosing to give your full attention to Jesus. And this is Mary. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. Now, when you think about what it means to be present, it is less about your physical location and it is much more about your heart's preoccupation. What, is, what are you thinking about? What are you loving? What are you valuing? So it's not about physical location, but your heart's preoccupation. Uh, here recently, I was hanging with Caleb, uh, my son. And I don't know if you've ever had these type of moments. Uh, periodically, I will. Where I'm with a person, but I am like staring out the window at who knows what, thinking about who knows what. And Caleb looks over and sees this happening. And he's like, earth to dad, earth to dad, you can come back anytime here. 
And, uh, and, and we're all guilty of those type of moments. And, and what is a moment like that showing us? It's showing us that we can be physically there and at the same time not there. That that is possible in our life. But Mary was there. She was, yes, physically present there at the feet of Jesus, but even more, she was present. She was, was there, listening, beholding, gazing. And in this moment, Mary is the happiest person in the world. And she's the happiest person in the world because she was present with Jesus, the greatest person in the world, the most important person in the world, the most enjoyable person in the world. In this moment, she's not self-absorbed. She's not thinking about herself. Her attention has been given fully to Jesus. She is caring about, thinking about Jesus. Nothing else in Mary's life mattered in this moment. Jesus had her full attention. Now, commentators are quick to, to link this passage in Luke 10 to a passage in, Luke, or in John chapter 12. And in John 12, uh, Jesus, it's a very similar setup. Jesus is in this home. And Martha's home, and Martha is there, and Mary is there, and their brother Lazarus is there. And in the middle of all of that going on in that home, Mary goes and gets this expensive ointment. Now, when I say expensive, I mean expensive. Uh, this would probably be the equivalent, like in today's dollars, of maybe $30,000, dollars $50,000. It's that ointment. I mean, this is like the rare stuff. Uh, this is likely her most uh, valuable possession. It's worth more than anything else she owns. It's this ointment. And in John 12, she takes this ointment and she wipes it onto the feet of Jesus, anoints his feet, and then with her hair, she wipes his feet. This is Mary. She is present with Jesus, giving full attention to Jesus. The most important thing in the universe, Jesus, is what's most important to her heart. And because she is present with Jesus, she is enjoying Jesus. And that enjoyment of Jesus made everything else in her life expendable. 30, 40, 50 grand was like nothing to her compared to the enjoyment of her God, of the person of Jesus. Now we get the contrast. Look at verse 40. You might underline the first four words of verse 40. But Martha was distracted. But Martha was distracted. Martha, she's there, right? She's physically in the house. She is around Jesus. She's there, but Martha is not there. Right? She has lost the most valuable thing you can give Jesus, which is your attention, your gaze. Right? She has lost that. But Martha was distracted. What does it mean to be distracted? When we're distracted, our attention has drifted from what's important to what is unimportant. From what is big to what is small. That's what it means to be distracted. That the thing that you should be looking at, the most important thing is not the thing you're looking at. Rather, your gaze has shifted to, to something small. That, that's what it means to be distracted. Maybe you could think of distraction like this. It is disordered attention. And in this way, it really just sort of opens the whole category of idolatry in the Bible. 
Idolatry is when anything has inflated into our life to be above God, to be God-like in our life. So rather than, than our hearts being obsessed with God, looking at God, gazing at God, beholding God, our hearts have shifted their attention to something that is small and, and trite and trivial. That's what it means to be distracted. It's disordered attention. And this is Martha. Now, just think about this text for a moment and just observe what's happening here. Jesus, the greatest treasure in the universe, the most enjoyable person in the universe, Jesus is right there before her, but Martha is not there before him. He's there, but she's not there. And because she's not there, she can't enjoy Jesus. Because she's distracted from Jesus, her heart can't find pleasure and delight in Jesus. Now, this is a good time for us just to stop and to begin to ask the set of questions that this text is sort of forcing in front of us. This text is is asking us to ask, what has our attention? Does Jesus have our attention? Or are we distracted? Is our attention being pulled from Jesus, from from the great, down into things that are small and trite and insignificant? Does Jesus have your attention? Or are you distracted from Jesus? Now, those questions, what has your attention? Does Jesus have your attention? Are you distracted from Jesus? Those questions are important for every Christian of every age to ask. But I cannot overstate how important those questions are for Christians in our day to ask. Uh, We live in what you might call the age of distraction. That's the world you inhabit and are living in, the age of distraction. Economists are helpful when they point out that we've gone from a material-based economy to an attention-based economy. That's our economy now. It's attention-based. So if you were to go back roughly 100 years, let's say to 1917, and you were to look at the biggest companies in our country, they would be companies who are producing materials. They're producing things. So things like steel, things like oil and gas, things like food. Those were the biggest companies in the U.S. Fast forward 100 years to roughly 2017. And those are not the biggest companies anymore. The biggest companies are tech companies. Companies like Google, uh, Google or their parent company, Alphabet. Uh, companies like Apple, companies like Facebook, those are now the biggest companies. Now, I I want you to think for a moment about what these companies are doing. Think about what Facebook is doing, what YouTube is doing, what Instagram is doing, what TikTok is doing. Think about what they are doing. They are selling your attention. This is why we live in an attention-based economy. They are selling your attention. So every time you use social media, you never just use it. Every time you use social media, it is also using you. You are being used by it. Maybe you can think of it this way. You are the product. You are the thing people are paying for. Uh, Instagram doesn't charge you because Instagram is selling you. They're selling your eyeballs your attention, your gaze, you beholding something, that is what they are selling. Uh, In the words of uh, the CEO of Microsoft, listen to him describe kind of our current context. He says, we're moving from a world where computing power was scarce 
to a place where it's now almost limitless. So computing power, we've just got more of it than we know what to do with. So we're moving uh, into a world, he goes on to say, where the true scarce commodity is increasingly human attention. That's the scarce commodity, which means we all just need to recognize this about our life. We are in a war for our attention. And I just need you to feel that this morning. You need to know this about the world that you're in and about you living in this world. You are in a war for your attention. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Uh, We often talk about stewardship. And as followers of Jesus, we know that as a steward, that means that we are not an owner. Jesus is the owner. And everything we have has been entrusted to us by Jesus. And then as a steward, we are now charged by Jesus to use what he's given us for his plans and purposes and agendas in this world. That's what it means to be a steward. So we talk all the time about stewarding things like time. That's a very precious commodity. And we have to learn how to steward our time. Uh, Stewarding things like our talents, the ways God has gifted us and to be a member of the body and how we can use our giftings to build up the body. So we steward our time, we steward our talents and we steward our treasure, the money and possessions that God has given us. But our stewardship doesn't end with time, talents, and treasure. Jesus also calls us to steward our attention. This is what Paul means in Colossians 3 when he says, set your minds on things that are above. That's a call to steward your attention. Why is it important that we steward our attention? Because like it or not, we are all in a war for our attention. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. By what? Look at the next couple of words. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, those three words, with much serving, give us a really helpful insight here. Uh, When you think about uh, distraction, it is a shape shifter. So it can take on many different forms. If if you look at it in your life versus this person's life, it's going to look a little bit different for all of us. It can take a lot of different forms in our life. But what I love about this passage is it's showing us that distraction can take the form of good things, good good things in your life. In in Martha's life, it's the good thing of serving. Serving is a good thing. But but that thing is the problem in this text. And I love that this text is showing us that. Uh, That this text is teaching us that even a good thing can become a bad thing when it distracts us from the greatest thing. That's what this text is showing us. That good things can do that distracting work in our life. Uh, Good things can have a way of blocking our sight of Jesus. Uh, Good things have a way of blunting our affections for Jesus, our communion and how we relate to Jesus. That good things can distract us and pull our attention uh, away from Jesus. I mean, this really is, in some ways, the irony of this passage. Is serving Jesus kept Martha from being present with Jesus. I mean, isn't that the irony? That the very thing that she thinks is doing like all the good things toward Jesus is the very thing keeping her from Jesus, distracting her from Jesus. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her. And I just wonder how many of us need to hear this today. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, 
You are anxious and troubled about many things. But Martha, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, one thing is necessary. I just wonder how many of us need to hear that from the Lord today. In your life, one thing is necessary. In my life, one thing is necessary. That one thing has a name. His name is Jesus. He is the one that you were made for, that your heart was designed to be dazzled by. He is the one necessary thing. And Mary chose the good portion. Here's what it required for her to choose the good portion, though. She had to say no to many other less important things, less significant things, more trivial things, trite things. She had to say no to all of these things, pulling for her attention so she could give her attention fully to Jesus, so she could choose the good person, so she could give herself to what is great. Mary was present with Jesus, and because she was present with Jesus, she enjoyed Jesus. And part of what this passage is inviting us to do today is to re-choose the good portion, to have a moment in our life where, where we uh, sort of color things in black and white, where things are really clear. These things are trite and trivial and less significant. Here is the amazing thing in my life, and I am choosing the good portion, which means I am not going to let my attention be drawn over here. I'm not going to give my attention to these things. I'm giving it to the best thing, to Jesus, the good portion. So we're in a war for our attention. Like it or not, that's the world you're living. That's the life you're living. It's the life I'm living. We are in a war for our attention. And if we're in a war for our attention, what can we do? How can we wage war back? How can we fight for our attention being pointed toward and aimed at Jesus? What can we do? So I want to finish our time just by being very practical with you, by giving you a few things we can do to wage war for our attention. You are in a war for it. Things are gnawing at and pulling for your attention all the time. So, so how can we fight back? Let me give you three things that we can do. First, we can notice. Just noticing, just observing. We can notice. We notice by asking this question. What is distracting me? What is pulling at my attention? What is drawing me away from my gaze being firmly on Jesus? But what, what is doing that? What is after my attention? What is distracting me? Think about the goal of our life. I hope this is the goal of your life. It's the goal of my life, just my daily, just the way I'm living. I want to wake up each day and I want to walk with Jesus. And to walk with Jesus means we are living with our attention on Jesus. Every day and every moment, we're giving our attention to him. So when we are at work, we're working down here, but at the same time, our attention is being given to Jesus. 
Uh, when we go to school, we're doing the work here, but our attention is, is upward toward Jesus. Just as we do all the things that our days hold, we're doing the things all the while our attention has been given to Jesus. We are choosing the good portion. This is what it means to walk with Jesus. It means that our attention is constantly be, uh, being given to Jesus, that, that we are present with Jesus just in the days and minutes of our life. That, that's what it means to walk with the Lord. And if that's our goal, we have to get clear on what is distracting me from that goal. What is keeping my attention away from Jesus? What is blunting my affections for Jesus? My communion with Jesus, my friendship with Jesus. What is blocking me seeing more of God, loving more of God, walking deeper with God? And here's the way that when you're thinking about what it looks like to notice what the distractions are in your life, I I think it's it's important to ask the question rightly. You you should ask Jesus about these things. You, You should ask Jesus to help you notice where distractions are. And here's why I think it's important that you ask Jesus. It's because I'm just watching Martha in this text. And here's the ironic thing about Martha in this text. She could not see her problem. I mean, if you, if you read this text, here's what you're going to notice. She can't see it. Uh, on the other hand, not only could she not see it, she actually thinks uh, that serving is the one necessary thing. She thinks it's the most important thing. See, serving did not feel like a distraction to her. It felt like the deal. It felt like the one thing she needs to be about doing right now, which is why she appeals to Jesus in verse 40 and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister's sitting in there with you? Send her back here with me. There's things to do around here. We've got to, we've got to get this place together. Right? She, she thinks that's what's most important. She, she, her value system has got that at the top of the list. So Jesus has to come to her and help her. Martha in this text didn't think she was distracted. She thought she was being dutiful. So, so Jesus has to come and say to Martha, no, Martha, this is not duty to me. This is not you serving back there is not you being obedient to me. It's not duty to me. What you're doing back there trying to serve me right now is actually the distraction. It is the thing keeping you from me, from giving me your attention. So we need to ask Jesus to help us notice, to help us see what is distracting us. So we ask Jesus about that. If you're married, I would encourage you to ask your spouse about that. They live with you. They're watching how distraction works in your life. So you should ask them that question and see see what they have to say. See if they can help you see where distractions are creeping into your life, pulling your attention away from Jesus. So this is the first thing we can do is notice. Notice, here's the second thing we can do is question, question. What we're distracted by has a way of showing us what we value most in life, what we love most in life, what we fear most in life. Uh, This is true of Martha. So Jesus helps Martha see through her distraction all the way down into her heart. So he says to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. See, behind Martha's distraction is fear. And Jesus helps her see through the distraction all the way down into that fear. Now, behind your distraction is something. I don't know what the something is, but you need to know what the something is. 
So not only do we need to have Jesus help us notice where distractions are in our life, but we need to question those things and ask Jesus to give us an awareness of like, what is under this distraction? What am I using this distraction for? What is this distraction saying about what I value most, what I love most, what I fear the most? So we notice, we question, and then thirdly, we resist. We resist. We live in the age of distraction. There is a war for your attention, which means if you're passive, you are going to be a casualty in the war. So you have to actively resist, not passively resist, actively resist if you want any chance of keeping your attention fixed on Jesus. You have to actively resist. Now, one of the ways we do this as a church is silent January. We just try to make it really easy to give us all a month where we are resisting in a very active way. It's silent January. And we would just invite you in to silent January starting today with us. Now, let me tell you what silent January is. It's a 30-day challenge where we fight against distraction where we fight to give our full attention to Jesus, to be present with Jesus so that we can enjoy Jesus. That's what Silent January is all about. That 30-day challenge to do that work, to be present with Jesus so that we can enjoy him. So it comes in three parts. And you might could just think about these three parts of Silent January as three ways we can actively resist in this war or we can actively resist by keeping our attention fixed on Jesus. Here are the three parts of Silent January. Part one is fast, fast. In particular, we are going to fast from media. Now you can expand it beyond that to food and all sorts of other things if you would like, but this is the particular fast that we as a church are engaging with in the month of January. It's a fast of media. And uh, if you want to kind of even narrow it down a, a step further, it's us taking a hard break from social media. A hard break from social media. That, that's what we're fasting from. Now, why social media? Well, let me tease this out for a moment. A survey from Microsoft found that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked this question. Okay, here's the question. 77% said yes to it. The question is, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. Now, you can try that on for size. My hunch is, if we were to follow you around this week, we would find that in the first moment where you don't have something occupying your attention, we would find you reaching. And the stats bear this out. There is a whole lot of reaching going on. Whole lot of reaching. Uh, another study found that we check our phones roughly 350 times a day. 350 a day, right? That's every four minutes we are checking our phone. Uh, by the way, this is one reason why I think it's really helpful if you just develop the habit of even when you come into a service like this, where we're fixing our gaze on Jesus for you to power down your phone, uh, either turn it off or to leave it out of the room, just to leave it in your car when you come in. Uh, because chances are you have already checked your phone three, four, five, six times in this service over the last few minutes, right? It's just every time we have a down moment, every time we have an, an ounce of space, we're, we're reaching for the phone. This is what you call a digital addiction. And here's the thing. Most people are just comfortable now in claiming it, owning it. Yep, that's, that's me. Uh, roughly 50% of adults consider themselves addicted to their phones. Let me give you a different word for addiction. It's idolatry. 
It's what the Bible would call sin. When, when, we have, when we've made a slave of anything but Jesus, right? So, so half of the adults would say, I'm addicted to my phone. Now, let me tell you why that's so damaging for us. Think about Paul's command to pray without ceasing. That command is claiming all of these little moments in your life. Not just the big moments, but all of these little moments in your life, in, in your day. Think about all these moments in your day. They're, they're little transition moments. So you just finished a call and, and you have 60 seconds after that call of just a bit of a transition. Either in that moment, we are going to reach for our phone or we are going to be present with Jesus. Uh, you have a walk to the bathroom, 45 seconds maybe, a minute. You're, you're either going to reach for your phone or be present with Jesus. You just finish a meeting and you have a 15-minute window before the next one. You're either going to reach for your phone or you're going to be present with Jesus. All of these little transition moments, these little small moments of our life are being just absolutely pillaged by this habitual reach for our phone. We are literally distracting ourselves to death. Or we can say it this way. We are distracting ourselves into distance with God. And at the tip of this, of this distraction spear is for most people, social media. Uh, Tim Keller was once asked this question. Why do you think young Christian adults struggle so deeply with God as a personal reality in their life? So in other words, why is it that so many people, uh, God is way up there. He's theoretical. He, he's sort of uh, in uh, vague sort of hues uh, up there somewhere. He is not right here present and powerful and real in their life in a way that stuns their hearts, amazes them. He, he just sort of is existing way up there somewhere. Why is that? Why is personal reality with God. Like, here is God. My heart is alive to him. Why is that so rare and so hard for so many Christians? And here was his reply. Noise and distraction. He goes on. It is easier to tweet than it is to pray. And I agree with him. I think this is the culprit. If we prayed half as much as we perused our news feeds, our hearts would be fully alive to the greatest thing in the universe, Jesus. Consider this statistic. Americans spend on average two hours a day on social media. Two hours a day. Now, parents, if you have a teenager, that average goes from two hours a day to five hours every day. Five hours a day. Uh, I want to take just a parathetical sort of sidebar just for a moment and chat with parents. Parents, if you haven't thought long and hard about how to keep technology in its proper place in your life and in your home and in the lives of your kids, you should just assume that technology is totally out of place in your life, your house, and in the lives of your kids. If you have not thought long and hard about it and you're just sort of drifting along, you can guarantee it, your drift is going to be into 
crazyville when it comes to technology. Uh, I'll just give you a for, uh, for instance in this, just a thing to think about as a parent. If you have given your kid a smartphone, you have put what I would just consider the equivalent of a loaded pistol into their hands. Now, I am of the ilk that, that would say there is a moment when I am okay putting a loaded pistol into my kid's hands. I, I think that there is a time and a place for that to happen. But if you put a loaded pistol into your kid's hands, do you think you're going to think long and hard about doing that? When you're going to do that? How you're going to do that? the training you want to give around it, the equipping you want to give around it, the discipling you're going to give around it to make sure they know what they're doing with it. They know the dangers of it. They know everything they need to know about that loaded pistol in their hand. I, I think you would. And, and I have this growing concern that for far too many parents, we have put a loaded phone into our teenagers' hands. And it is loaded with a worse kind of bullet, with worse ammunition. We put it into their hand without thought. We're just sort of drifting along. This is just what we do. And it's in their hand without thought. Then years later, we wonder why their hearts have been shot through and there's holes all in them. And so I just want to plead with, with parents in the room, please give thought to these things. Please give thought to them. You, you need wisdom. You need to seek out wise counsel. People who are thinking a lot about this, you need to learn from them. Garner some wisdom from them. We're going to send you a few resources this week, a podcast to listen to, a few articles to read, a book recommendation. And I just, parents, you don't have the option if you want to disciple your kids well of leaving this off the table. You've got to think so much about this. Five hours a day for a teenager going to social media. Do you think that has a forming effect in the life of your kid? It's a huge forming effect. So since the reach for our phone is coming in every free moment, and because the reach is often going towards social media, we are taking a hard break from social media in the month of January, right? That's the fast. Now, let me put one more caveat around it. That's the, the specific thing, but I would just encourage you to think in a broader way toward all media in your life. Uh, maybe uh, just, well, think about how distraction with media works for you. Maybe social media is the thing, or maybe you don't have a social media account, uh, one, but you love video games. Maybe that's your, your deal. The, the average man spends 10,000 hours playing video games before his 21st birthday. Again, we've lost our minds, haven't we? 10,000 hours before they're 21. 10,000 hours is what it takes to become an expert at something. That's the thing most guys have developed expertise in 10,000 hours playing video games. So if you don't have a social media account, but you have like 13 Xbox accounts, you should consider using video games for the thing you're fasting from. Uh, maybe for you, it's TV, that there is just a lot of TV in your world. And so maybe that's the thing. And if you, let's just say you replaced um, your TV watching in the month of January with reading. Uh, the average American reads somewhere between two and 400 words a minute. That means uh, you could read 50 books in about 200 hours. That's what it would take you to read 50 books. Now, 200 hours sounds like a lot, right? But the average American spends 700 hours a year on social media. 700 hours. You can fit a lot of books into that 700 hours. And the average American spends 2,700 hours a year watching TV. 
So there's a lot of hours there to work with. So, so maybe TV is your thing. Maybe that's the thing uh, that you're going to cut in the month of January uh, so that you can fill it with other things. So we're fasting. We are in a war, an all-out war for our attention. And one way that we fight this war is by fasting. Here's the second thing we're doing in January is focus. So fast and then focus. Like Mary, we want to be present with Jesus. We want to give Jesus our full attention. And so here's what we're asking everyone that makes up the Stonegate family, everyone to do in the month of January. Every day to, to, to give 10 minutes to silence and solitude. 10 minutes alone, by yourself, not a noise around you. 10 minutes to silence and solitude. And then each week to give one hour to silence and solitude. So 10 minutes a day, one hour a week of silence and solitude. Let me just give you some practical help on, on this. Uh, here's help with the 10 minutes. Every day when you practice silence and solitude for 10 minutes, I would just encourage you to bring a question to Jesus. Uh, maybe the question comes from your Bible reading that day and you're just gonna ask a question about the text and just be present with Jesus over that text. So maybe it could be that uh, for your question. Uh, maybe it's something that you're noticing about yourself. Why am I angry? Why am I impatient? Why do I feel so much insecurity around that person? And you're just bringing that question to the Lord and you're being present with the Lord over that question. Uh, maybe it's uh, something about your marriage. Um, maybe you can come to Jesus with this question. What does my spouse need from me right now? Father, would you, just, would you show me that? Now, what's one way I can serve my spouse right now? One thing that would bless my spouse? So maybe it's a marriage question. Maybe it's a parenting question. Uh, what if you just gave, uh, made a habit of giving 10 minutes of your day uh, to bringing this question to the Lord? Um, Father, I have kids and I want to see my kids. So, so here's one of my kids for me. It's, here's Hannah. Father, would you help me see her? To notice things about her? Father, what is it that you would want me to see about her? How could I be an encouragement to her today? How could I speak life into her world today? Just bringing questions about your, your parenting, your kids. Or maybe you could just do some proactive repentance. That's where you come to the Lord with this question. Lord, I'm inviting you to test me and know me. Is there anything in me right now that I'm unaware of that you want to address in me? Anything that needs correction in my life? Is there anything you want to say to me that needs to be said that I just, I can't see on my own? Just bringing those types of questions before the Lord and then being present with him. That's 10 minutes a day. And then for the one hour moment, uh, we're gonna send you a resource today uh, that we wrote just to help frame what an hour of silence and solitude could look like in your life. So we're gonna give you that. And then secondly, we are opening up our building, this auditorium on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday every week in January. So like this Tuesday, it'll be open that, that morning from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. for you to come and just give an hour of your life to Jesus, just to, to be present with him. We'll have some resources for you that can help kind of work through what that hour could look like uh, to give a little variety. Uh, but, but it's just a way for us to try to make it easy for you to get that hour a week in. You can do that up here with us either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday morning from 6 to 9 a.m every uh, week here in January. So every, every day, 10 minutes, once a week, one hour, just a way for us to focus, uh, for us to be present with the person of Jesus. So we fast, we focus, and then lastly, we feast. We feast. The goal of Solid January is not to eliminate social media. That's not the goal. 
The goal of Silent January is for you to enjoy Jesus. That's what we're after. Jesus enjoyment. That's what we want. So we are going to spend the month of January with our nose down in the scriptures, right? We, we, we want to delight daily in Jesus through word and prayer. So you need to pick up a uh, Stonegate Bible reading plan for 2023. And this is the day to start it. Today is that day that we get our nose down in the Bible, enjoying Jesus, feasting on Jesus over his word. And then we get to pray. One of the resources that I would just encourage you toward is the Seeing Jesus Journal that we have out in the, uh, the resource area. It does such a good job of, of bringing together you reading the word and then you praying the word, just helping you be present with Jesus, feasting on Jesus. That, that's what we're after. So here's how I wanna close. I, I wanna close by rereading our text today. Th this passage about Mary and Martha. Listen to it one more time. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But Martha, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friends, the good portion, Jesus himself, the great one, he is here and available. And this whole morning is about us looking at Jesus and choosing to give our attention to him. He's, he's waiting for us. So friends, this month, may we enjoy Jesus. May we be present with him. Would you bow with me? I want to give you just a moment to to be present with Jesus. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose from the grave to purchase presence, to make it possible for you to commune with God, to enjoy How tragic it is when that one necessary thing, the enjoyment of Jesus, is neglected just because our attention has been pulled away from him to other things. So we need to notice, what are those things that pull my attention? We need to question, what is behind that distraction? And then we resist. We get to fast this month, focus this month, and feast on Jesus this month. So Jesus, would you help us? We are such a distracted people, and it just reminds us of our creatureliness, our frailty. God, we need help. Help this month to be present with you, our God. 
to enjoy you, our God. So Father, would you meet each of us right now in this moment in a way that would give us the help that we so desperately need. And it's in the good name of Jesus that we ask it. Amen.